if thou be the Son of God. Command that these stones be made bread. Now Jesus was hungry. He'd been fasting for 40 days. We came off a 21-day fast not long ago. And most of us were eating at least one meal a day during that time. Jesus hadn't eaten anything. He was hungry. And Satan says, command that these stones be made bread. Now, he was more than able to change the molecular structure of that rock into bread. Tasty bread. I would imagine, Pastor, that it would have been a nice sourdough roll with a crusty finish on the outside. He could have done it. But he answered and he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Today I want to talk to you on the subject of hungry for more than bread. Hungry for more than bread. Jesus, I believe that you are a God of miracles. That you have both the ability and the willingness to answer any need that's in this house. There's no need present that you're not capable and willing to answer. I believe you. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to hear this word in the right way. Help me to speak the words that you want me to speak in the way that you want me to speak them. God, I submit this vessel to you. Lead me, guide me, inspire me, help me to speak this word and anoint our ears to hear it. Your word tells us to hide these things deep in our ears, deep in our hearts. Let them fall deeply into us today. And to hear your invitation to go deeper. To go deeper. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. So be it. So be it. So if you said amen, we're all in agreement that that is what we want today. We want him to be glorified, him to be king, our ears to be open to his word. Amen. God created mankind with needs. You know, it was in his power to create people in a way that you would never need anything ever in your life. But that's not how he designed Adam and Eve. He designed them to need food and to need water and to need work. Did you know that? Adam was created with a need for bodily exercise and work. And so God gifted him the privilege of working in the garden. And he defined what that work would be. They, they needed to sleep. Don't try to go very long without sleeping, without refreshing sleep. It'll make you crazy. We need sleep. We have these physical needs. Food, water, sleep, exercise, work. 
And all of these things are very real and very temporal needs of the body for the sake of our health and maintenance. Even before death crept in through sin, people were made with physical needs. So it's not surprising that Jesus, who was both God and man, experienced physical needs. Scripture tells us he hungered, he thirsted, he needed rest, he stepped away from the crowd at different times, and he found places of rest and refreshing so that he could continue to minister in that fleshly vessel. He had limitations. He chose to allow himself to be limited by the flesh. And so after 40 days of fasting, he was very hungry. But he was not hungry enough for physical food that he would set aside the guidelines and boundaries of spiritual need. There was no physical hunger great enough in him that he would yield himself to listen to the enemy of his soul. That's what, that's what it was all about. Will you obey Satan? That's the temptation. Will you use the, the, the impulses of the flesh? Will you listen to that enough to do what the enemy tells you to do rather than what God tells you to do? And so I... I looked up the Greek word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. I figured there's this, there's got to be revelation in this word bread. Except that it just means bread. <laughs> it just means bread or maybe a loaf of bread. Didn't say anything about sourdough. Man shall not live by this tangible substance alone. I don't even eat bread. Can I, you know, can I live by steak alone? I'd be okay with that. <laughs> Melissa shall, shall live by steak alone. <laughs> yes. But it's not just talking about this one kind of food. It's saying you shouldn't live according to earthly sustenance alone. Not just bread, but your earthly life, what keeps you going. We can easily become so dependent on, on what we see before us, what we experience in front of us. The food we eat, the, the sleep we get, the, you know, it's easy to overindulge in all of these things at different times in our lives. We can become overly dependent on what satisfies our flesh in the moment. Now, I know stories of, from some of you in this room. Some of you know what it really means to be hungry. Most of us have a habit of eating, and so we say we're hungry. But really, we're just in the habit of eating. We've never experienced true hunger. This country, especially, It's rare that people in this room experience true hunger, but some of you have. Some of you know that gnawing feeling on the inside of your belly that tells you nothing's been in there for a good long while. 
Some of you know what it is to watch someone else eat with such an intense desire that you start to cry. Because you haven't eaten. Some of you know what it is to pick through cast-offs of other people to find the food that they threw out. That's hunger. When you will eat what doesn't taste good to you just because you know you have to stay alive. That's hunger. Real physical hunger drives people to do desperate things. And so it is a real need. It is a, a real uh, requirement for our human life to eat. In saying, don't live by bread alone, Jesus isn't minimizing your need for food. But he's saying you can't just live in the flesh. You can't just live on what keeps you physically alive. That's no kind of life. To just be physically alive is not enough. We, we have these other inner urges that push us for more. And so he says, in addition to bread, we ought to desire every word that comes out of the mouth of God to personally affect us. How many of you have ever been in love you married people better raise your hand. When you're in love with somebody, you just listen to every word that he says. And every word makes this great impact on your life. And you remember for years, I, I don't cook my spaghetti this way because 10 years ago my husband said, he liked it that way. You hang on every word. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of a loved one. And that's what Jesus was referring to. We should live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. A fleshly existence is not enough. That's what Jesus was getting at. It wasn't about the bread. It was about tying ourselves too closely to the needs of this flesh that we ignore the needs and requirements of the Spirit. Are you hungry for more than bread today? More than what this life offers to meet those fleshly requirements, that Basic existence. Tired of basic. Meeting human needs has a great impact. In John chapter 6, we're told about Jesus multiplying the lunch of a little boy or a young man. Five loaves and, and two fish. And into a lunch that fed 5,000 men plus women and children who'd all come to hang out and listen to Jesus teach and talk. 
They were seekers of Jesus. They'd been there for at least a couple days, and so Jesus is moved by compassion. If you put all of the accounts of this story together from the, the different Gospels, we see that Jesus is moved by compassion, saying they have this great need. How are we going to meet that need? And he turns to his disciples, and they say, well, we have lunch. We have a paper bag lunch that Mama sent with this little boy. <laughs> and Jesus just says, give it to me. And he gives thanks, and out of gratitude grows miracles. I'm going to say that one more time. Out of gratitude grows miracles. And so he gives thanks, and 5,000 men, plus women and children, were fed that day with 12 baskets of leftovers. They filled more than a paper bag just with the leftovers. That's a great miracle. So it's not that God does not care about physical needs. He met physical needs that day. He's met my physical needs over and over and over again. But I have to cultivate a hunger for more than that. And so in John 6, the, there's, a, there's a story in the middle that Brother Jake touched on last week, talked about last week, where they, they, the disciples hop in a boat and they're going across the sea and the storm comes up and Jesus comes to them walking on the water. This is the part where Peter gets to walk on the water. If you, don't, if you haven't read that story, I encourage you to do it. It's a great book. Uh, the, the, the Gospel of Luke, I think, is... I'm going to skip telling you which one talks about that, because I don't remember now. But look for it in the Gospels, and you'll find the story where Peter walks on the water for a little bit. It's a wild ride that night. Jesus gets into their boat, and, the, and then John tells us immediately they were on the other side. Immediately, they're out of the storm. Immediately, as soon as Jesus steps foot in the boat, boom, they've arrived. And so the people who had attended the large banquet that Jesus prepared out of a little lunch show up on the other side of the sea, and they're like, how did you get here? We saw your disciples all get in a boat by themselves and cross the water, and no other boats came over here, so what did you do to get over here? And instead of answering their question, Jesus answers in verse 26, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. You just wanted a little bit of bread. See, when he fed the 5,000, this crowd of people started getting the crazy idea that he was a government program. They said, we'll make him the king. He can meet everybody's needs. And so because we've received this physical need being met, we're going to elevate him in our physical world and make him a king in this realm. If we only seek him for physical needs to be met, we will only elevate him in the physical realm. You seek me not because you saw the miracles, not because you experienced the supernatural among our, our, my teaching, but because you got your belly full and you were physically satisfied. Yes, you seek me. 
but you seek me for temporal satisfaction. What I can do for you in the moment. Not what I can do for you in eternity. Jesus was a reader of hearts, and he called them out on their motives. These are followers of Jesus. They were there to hear his teaching. But their motives were about fulfilling their own desires. See, God is a transformer of people through the renewing of the mind. It's important that when we come to him, we let him change the way we think about what he's going to do for us. It's normal for us to ask him for fleshly needs to be met. It's normal for us to seek the work of his hands, the stuff that he gives us. It's normal. But he's calling us to have a hunger for more than just the stuff, to seek more than just his hand, to seek his face, to seek his face. This first temptation is about using the things of the Spirit only to fulfill the needs and wants of the flesh. Amen. Amen. He goes on to explain to this people that he is the bread of life. Same Greek word, bread, just bread, loaf of bread. I'm the sustenance of life. I'm what's going to take you from this world to the next world. And he starts talking about, look, there's coming a point that you're going to have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Who? What? We are not cannibals. Because their mind is still on fleshly things. They can't see this as a representation of the redemption that he's about to bring, of the price he's about to pay. They can't see beyond their own world, their own fleshly existence. That's all that's trapping them. And Jesus is saying, you're going to have this opportunity to benefit from the sacrifice of Calvary. And many were offended that day and walked away. Jesus turns to the twelve and says, are you going to walk away too? Peter says, to whom would we go? You are the source of life. You are the source of truth. Who else are we going to talk to about these things that we want to understand? Because he was hungry for more than bread. He was hungry for more than bread. So let's bring this into our present tense. This room is filled with seekers of Jesus. You wouldn't be here if you weren't looking for something from Jesus. You got up on a Sunday morning, came out uh, amidst snow and ice on the roads, and came to seek something. And Jesus cares about your physical needs. He cares about your bills getting paid, and he cares about the physical aches and pains in your body and the healing that you might need. He cares about your physical needs. Even before we fully understand his word, and even before we fully commit to him, he cares. And he meets needs 
in the physical realm. But at some point, as we fully embrace this faith, we start to look to God for more than what he gives us in the flesh. We start to understand the spiritual value of his work on Calvary. This is the only way that we can become saved, that we understand that we were sinners. We are sinners. People who have done things against the word and nature of God. Sin is a a, a bad word these days. It's just, that's not sin, that's my truth. I'm just going to live my truth. You do you, Shayla. You do you. Sin is a real thing, and it, it is what happens when I disobey the word and nature of God. When I live in such a way that it does not please God. And so we come to know the value of Jesus paying the price on Calvary so that I no longer have to wear this badge of sin anymore. Isaiah said, though your sin be as scarlet, I will make it as white as snow. How many of you are blinded by the snow this week? It's blindingly white. That's the promise. I don't care how much sin you've been in, that scarlet's going to change to white as snow because I'm cleaning you up. I'm getting you out of that lifestyle. I'm changing you. And now we have access to God, that we can spiritually commune with him. That idea of communion where we take the grape juice and we take the bread and we, we eat this in remembrance of him, remembering his sacrifice on Calvary. Now we are enabled by the shedding of his innocent blood and the sacrifice of his fleshly body once and for all to be filled with his spirit. To be part of his spiritual body in the earth. This is my privilege. This is is what I have access to. And now we come boldly to the throne of grace to make our petitions known. That's, That's word. I can come and tell him what's going on in my life and lay my needs out before him. But first and foremost, I must be in relationship with him. Yeah, there are physical things that I need and want, but my first pursuit should be to know him. How many of you enjoy when someone you do not know comes up and says, hey man, do you have $20 I can have? I have physical needs that need to be met, and I know that we're not in relationship with each other. But can you meet my physical needs? Many of us have just a little bit of resistance to that. Can I tell you that God is more gracious than we are? And he meets needs before there is relationship quite often. Quite often. But isn't it so much richer when I can come and say, you know, Pastor, I'm really struggling Financially, it's been a little bit difficult. Is there any way you can help me? Because I have a relationship with brother and sister Sabolchi. It's different. Now, I'm not saying ask pastor for money. (laughs) 
But I am saying that in the context of relationship, it feels a whole lot better to ask for a favor. It's easier on the the friend who's asking. And so if I'm going to come to the Lord and say, I have a need, I should know him. It's easier for me to believe that someone who loves me would give me what I need. Because I know him, because I know he loves me, because I love Jesus. And yet, God is calling us to this higher perspective, to look beyond our natural needs. When we boldly come to him, what are we asking for? Moses said, show me your glory. Seeing the glory of God wasn't going to feed him that day. It wasn't going to pay his bills. But it was going to deepen this relationship that he had with God. Are you hungry for more than bread? Are you hungry for more than physical needs being met? We ought to pray for our daily needs. We ought to pray and thank God for our food and our water and our shelter and our clothing and physical healings. We, we, we ought to do that. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus demonstrated how we ought to pray, the phrase, give us this day our daily bread, is in there. We ought to pray. For, for what we need in this world. But before he gets there, before it's about our daily needs, the statement, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Before I ever pray about what I need, that prayer of submission, God, you do it your way. Whatever you want to do. I'm here. I showed up to prayer for whatever you want to do. Thy kingdom, your governance, your ruling and reigning. You come here and rule and reign as we talk. Thy kingdom, thy governance come. Thy will be done. Not my will. Nevertheless, not my will. But thine be done. That, that's the precursor for any physical prayer I'm going to pray. That's the precursor for anything I'm going to request from him to have my needs met. Not my will, but thine be done. Thy will be done. And so I, I, I'm preaching this in part because I have seen a pattern over the many years that I have been around church folk. I've seen this pattern repeat itself, that someone comes to the Lord. They're forgiven of their sins. They're baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives us the ability. That is saved. That we repent of our sins, we're baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. And these people who are saved, but who 
have immature, undeveloped faith. Instead of just trusting that this God who saved them will meet their needs, they begin to treat God like a genie. Give me this. Give me that. Do this. Give me this job that'll fix all the financial problems that I've gotten myself into because I don't keep a budget. I'm sorry, I'm not going to step on your toes. Give me this bigger house, Lord, so I can impress that person I went to high school with who always thought she was better than me. And the list goes on and on. God, I know I have a coat that keeps me warm, but give me a nicer coat, one that's designer. Heal this sickness that I'm going through because I don't really want to have to deal with these treatments and everything. And the prayers, instead of being, thy kingdom come and thy will be done, are keep me comfortable and happy, God. And when God chooses another way to respond to those prayers, I've seen people get disillusioned because they expected God to be a genie and not a loving father. You loving fathers don't give your children everything they ask for. Why? Because it would be bad for them. It would create a desire in them that's insatiable. It wouldn't teach them boundaries. You don't give them everything they ask for. Sometimes they ask for things that you know are dangerous. Your four-year-old asks you for a real jet that flies in the sky. You're not going to do that. Because he would crash it if he even got it off the ground. Our Father knows what you have need of. And he sees down the road what your decisions today are going to impact, how how they're going to impact you. Lord, please let me marry this person. They're just perfect. And your heavenly father's going, if you only knew, you wouldn't be asking me that. But I've watched people. God did not do what I asked him to do. And his word says, ask, seek, knock. I did all those things and he didn't do it my way, so I'm out of here. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. God, I'm going to seek your face and not your hand. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you need will be added unto you. Take no thought for what you ought to wear. You know that's in the Bible? Do you know that Jesus said it? Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. If you think that a sparrow falls from the sky and the father knows it, 
Why do you think he's not going to pay attention to these needs that you have? Of course he's going to meet your needs. Of course he's going to take care of you. And we thank him for it and we bless him for it and we pray for it because we should. Give us this day our daily bread. But not before the kingdom. Not before I pray his will. His way. Man shall not live on the sustenance and cultivation of this physical world alone. But according to the word and the will of God. Jesus said in in John 4, my meat, my sustenance is to do the will of him who sent me. This is what feeds me. This is my fuel. And as much as I need physical sustenance, I need spiritual sustenance even more. Jesus is looking for those who are hungry for more than their physical bread. Sometimes what I need looks much different than what I want. Sometimes I want to stay in my comfort zone, firmly planted in my little box, But in order to fulfill the will of him who sent me, I got to get out of that comfort zone and into what is unknown to me but is fully known to God. Sometimes I want to have more money so I can do the laundry list of trips and, you know, bucket list stuff that I want to do. But the Lord knows if I got that better paying job, I'd be so distracted with my plans that I would miss his plans for my life. Sometimes I want to be healed of all the aches and the pains and the sicknesses and the diseases and the things my doctor has on a laundry list of stuff that's wrong with me. And the Lord instead sees the process of suffering and what it can accomplish in my life. Not that he sent those things, but he can use those things to grow something in me. Pastor and I were talking before church. I will glory in my infirmities, in my weaknesses, in my struggles. Not because they're so great to go through, but because he does something in the middle of them to change who I am and make me more like him. Why? Because my heavenly father, he values my salvation, my spiritual growth and development, my relationship with him more than he values my physical comfort. More than keeping me happy in this present world, he wants me to be joyous in the world to come. Even in the Old Testament, Joshua understood the value of just being in his presence. Exodus 33, verse 7 says, Moses took a tent and he pitched it without the camp or outside of the camp, afar from the camp, called it the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, this is not the same tabernacle that was created for all of Israel to approach. This is a tent that Moses set up outside of the, con- the, 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 the camp of the Israelites so that he could commune with God. 
This is his own personal prayer room that he set up, the tent of the congregation or the tabernacle of the congregation. It came to pass that Moses went out unto the tabernacle and that all the people rose up and stood every man at his own tent door and looked after Moses until he he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered this tent, the cloudy pillar that represented the presence of the Lord in their midst descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses And all the people saw this cloudy pillar standing at the tent door. And all the people rose up and worshipped, every man in his own tent door. They were thankful to have the presence of God meeting with their leader. And the Lord spake to Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. So Moses is getting this download of information from the Lord, how to lead the people of Israel. And he turns again and he goes into the camp. But the servant of Moses... Joshua, the son of Nun, departed not out of the tabernacle. Joshua made a decision. If the presence of the Lord is still here and that cloud hasn't moved, I'm staying right where the presence of the Lord is. Because it doesn't matter to me that my wife has dinner on the table back home. That's a fleshly need. What I really need right now is to be in the presence. What I really want is this relationship that Moses seems to have where God speaks to him face to face. Joshua had just borne witness to a miraculous encounter between God and Moses. And it ignited this hunger. God, I just want to stay in your presence. I just want to stay in your presence. I just want to stay in your presence. I'm choosing you first, Lord. I'm choosing you first, Lord. I'm going to give my time and my energy and my resources to the pursuit of you, Lord. Focused on knowing you, Lord. It was Joshua's choice to stay there. Nobody forced him to. It wasn't a rule written on one of the tablets that God had given Moses. He just had this burning desire. To know Jesus, to know that spirit of God. That's what Joshua wanted. He wanted to know the Lord. Well, I'm not Joshua. I got places to go and people to see, things to do. And that's your choice. The presence of God is moving and you're done. That's your choice. He's going to let you walk right out of his presence. But if you choose to linger, God, I just want to see what you're going to do. Maybe you'll talk to me face to face. If I just stay here, maybe our relationship will change and shift and become deeper. And you'll feel comfortable talking to me face to face like you talked to Moses. What are you hungry for? Some of you in this room have said to God something that I have said to God. God, I want to want you more. 
deepen my capacity to know you more. I want to have this desire that consumes me. And I have to go through the process of letting him unload me of all the other things that I've consumed to try to fill that God space within me. And he pulls out where I've wasted my time. And he pulls out the things that have gotten in the way of me pursuing him. You want to want me more? Okay, get rid of this. Cut that off. Pursue this a little more. Spend a little more time hanging on every word that I've spoken. You want to want me more? Cultivate it. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Pastor, we say that in the negative so much. You know, you've been, you've been sowing some stuff, Shayla. Now, why'd you assume it was bad? Because I've watched this girl, and she has sown to the Spirit. She has sown hours in prayer that you know nothing about. She has sown time and intercession. I'm embarrassing her now. But I've watched her. And you know what happens when you sow to the Spirit? You reap spiritual things. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to, of the flesh, reap corruption. But if you sow sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap life everlasting. So you want to want God more? Start sowing to that desire. Start letting that get, a, get more of a hold on you. Get rid of the other things that are trying to fill up that God space in your life. Now, look, I know we're in a world that has a mentality of, oh, yeah? Well, what's in it for me? Did you know that somebody actually calls this the Witham? W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? Let me tell you what's in it for you. If you've only been coming to God because you need a meal on your table and your bills to be paid and healing in your body or your family, here's what else you can have. God is a forgiver of your sins. He wipes that slate clean. There's things that stand out greatly, boldly in your mind, and you're sorry you ever said that, and you're sorry you ever did that. God is a forgiver of sins, and he will wash that slate clean like it never even happened. He forgives us. God is a deliverer from addictions and repetitive sins or iniquities in our lives. The things that we just can't seem to get free of. The things that we keep going back to. The vomit that we keep going back to like a dog would. God is a deliverer from addictions and iniquities and ongoing repetitive sins in our lives. He breaks those chains when we yield to him in the name of Jesus. He creates a new us. By breaking us free from those old weights. God is love. He exists as love. And it's a greater love than we can ever experience in this world. Once you have known, experienced, felt, understood the love of God that comes in your life when you pursue him, you will never be able to settle for anything else. 
He is love. And he makes you know that you are loved by him. God is an elevator of those who humble themselves and put their lives in his hands. In the kingdom, we don't climb by stepping on other people. We climb by laying our face on the floor before the Lord and saying, God, whatever you want to do with me. Wherever you want me to go, whoever you want me to talk to, whatever I can do to help the pastor, help the church, I'm happy to do it. God, just use me. Ambitious Christians have their face in the carpet to serve. God is a faithful friend. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He is a keeper of the secrets of the universe. Insights about life and the world that we will never know unless we know him. Things that are recorded in his word that he says, only people who I give the revelation to will understand this. I want to know those secrets. What's in it for me? To have a relationship with God that lets him talk to me face to face and say, here's what I have planned. Here's what I plan to do. Here's what I want to do through you. Here's what I want to say. God is a keeper of those kind of secrets, and I want to know. I'm hungry for more than my physical bread. God is full of grace and mercy. He said, I will in no way turn away those who seek me with all of their hearts. He wants a relationship with you that goes far deeper then give us this day our daily bread. Let's all stand. If I keep sowing spiritual behaviors, I will reap spiritual blessings. If I keep planting seeds of seeking Jesus, seeking his face, then I reap the benefits that come with knowing him. That come with having a heavenly father. I want to exercise my faith a little higher. Yes, Lord, please do provide all that I need in this world, God. But please don't ever let anything that I want in this world stand in the way of knowing you. Don't give me anything that would keep me from knowing you and give me everything that will grow me in the direction of knowing you. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's not what I think I want, oh, Jesus, don't give me anything that's going to let me slip away from you. But give me everything that draws me closer to you, Jesus. More than my daily bread, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. 
Lord, there are people in this room that want to want you more. God, in this honest moment where we are laying ourselves bare before you, point out the things that need to change so that we can know you more. In me, Jesus, point out the things that I need to get rid of so that I can know you more. Oh God, we don't want to leave unchanged, Jesus. We want to leave fully transformed as you will, God. Thy kingdom. Not my kingdom, thy kingdom. Not my will, thy will. Not my will, thy will. Jesus, you are what's in it for me. If you never give me another thing, if you never bless me again, you're enough. You're enough. If you never answer another prayer the way I prayed it, God, you're enough. seek your face. I'm going to seek your re- a relationship with you. Not just your hand. Not just what you'll do for me. But who you are to me. This space up front that we call the altar. This is not a magical space. In fact, there's nothing about it that's unique other than it's an opportunity for you to come up here, demonstrate to yourself and to God that you're hungry for more than bread. That you don't want to just live based on what the sustenance of this world can provide. that you want to live according to his kingdom and his will. This altar is open. There's nothing to keep you from coming, to declare your faith, to declare your submission to his will. spiritual behaviors and it starts today God I'm coming to sow to the spirit I'm coming to put some seeds in the ground that are going to grow into my new spiritual life with you God where I am fully yielded to your will where the kingdom is coming in my life in the earth as it is in heaven I give myself to you Jesus whatever you want to do wherever you want me to go whoever you want me to speak with however you want me to live whatever it is that you've designed for me Jesus that's what I want God let's talk to him today in Jesus name